morning, everybody. Uh, this week's parsha, parsha's Baluscha, discusses very many wonderful subjects. One of them I wanted to mention. I actually wanted to delve into one particular subject today. Beautiful subject, important subject. Some great stories for both sides. Incredible, incredible, great stories. So listen to this. First of all, the Torah tells us the beginning of Perikud base Pasuk Gimel. We're familiar with this Pasuk. We're familiar with this concept. Every single one of us. Vahish Moshe Onov Maoid. So we know that everyone's famously knows this, that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us very, very clearly, was the biggest honor, the most humble man ever to walk planet Earth. Unbelievable idea. It's interesting why the Pesach specifically refers to Moshe Rabbeinu as an Ish, Moshe, um, and then being humbler than any other Odom. Right, what is the Pshat? Odom can refer to any human being, right? any, any single person. Every single person that hasn't achieved anything when he's born is called an Odom. Whereas Moshe Rabbeinu was called an Ish. Why was he called an Ish? Because he accomplished a tremendous amount. It's all very nice for a guy to be humble if he hasn't done anything, if he hasn't accomplished anything. An Odom, a human being that's born a baby is called an Odom. Hasn't done anything. Oh, I'm a big Odom. You haven't done anything. Of course you're an Odom. But if you've accomplished something, if you're successful... If you're an incredible person, if you've done so much, like Moshe had, had done, so that's really a much bigger mila to become an honor of because you've actually got something you know, to be theoretically haughty about and you're leaving that. So that is the number one idea that I wanted to say. I want to give, bring you over an incredible Benishchai. Listen to this Benishchai. It says the most amazing thing. He wants to explain that the whole Yisoyed, and by the way, this is negated to every single one of us, because on some level we like to be a little bit Balgaiva. Sometimes about our achievements, our success, in various many things that we do, whether it's in Ruchanis, whether it's in Gashmias. And the Benishchai sets us straight. He says that the whole Yisoyed of humility, of Anova, is rooted in Bitochen. If you realize where everything comes from. And he brings an incredible marshal. His marshal is like this. He tells, about, he tells a story of a guy that owned a donkey. And this donkey he would use to transport various you know, merchandise to his house, from the, from the market, to the market, you know, a whole business, that was his, you know, so to speak, his lorry, his, his, his van, that's what basically he used to transport his merchandise. One day, he puts beautiful smelling flowers, beautiful fragrances, perfumes, all sorts of things on the back of this donkey and brings it to the market in order to sell that for today. At the end of the day, the donkey comes back and starts schmoozing to all his friends in the barn and says, guys, you have to understand thing. everyone loves me. Everyone loves me. And all the donkeys around are like, what do you mean? What do you mean everyone loves you? What do you mean? Everyone was coming close to me. Everyone was trying to get close to me. It was so nice. It was so beautiful. Everyone loves me. The next day, this donkey was loaded with a different package. And that was horrible smelling petrol and all sorts of horrible gases and oils and things that really, really smelled. A horrible, horrible odor. And he came to the marketplace and everybody ran a mile when they saw this donkey. When they smelled the smell, everybody ran all over the place. And he came back that night, the donkey, and he said, this is terrible. Nobody likes me. Everyone's scared of me. And they're like, well, what happened today? Today I came to the marketplace, everybody ran as soon as they saw me. Everybody doesn't like me. Said the Benishchai, you have to be a little bit of a fool. Because at the end of the day, we understand that it's not the donkey that has a nice smell or a bad smell. It's the things that are on top of it. Says the Benishchai, what an incredible idea. He says, many of us have talents. Many of us are successful, whether it's in Ruchnius, whether it's in Gashmius, whatever it is. And we think, it, it's us. <laughs> Look at me. Look how good I am. Huh? Look what I can do. It's not you. The Rebunshim put it on your back. The Rebunshim gave it to you for a limited amount of years in this world. 
What are you being balgaiva? What are you haughty about? What are you so excited about? It's not you. It doesn't belong to you. The Rabbi Shem gave you a pakodin. He gave you a present to use. So that is, that is idea number one. The Chidah has a Gavaldik Sefer called the Dvash Lefi, And he brings over here that if a person is an Onov, if a person possesses the Midah, it's an incredible Midah, where do we find that the Torah actually praises a particular Midah? We don't, I don't think we find it anywhere else in the Torah that we have a specific idea that the Torah said, this is Gavaldik. Right? Midahs generally are not in the Torah. We don't find them in the Torah. We have to do them right there. It's Kodma La Torah. But here we find something specific because obviously it means it's very, very important. It's the foundation of many of the Midahs and the character traits that we have to have. So the Chidor explains if a person has a novel, if a person really is, 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 is you know, uh, he's a very a person that understands who he is, understands what he has, and understands where it all comes from. He has humility. Says the Chidor, the Ayin Horah will not dominate him. That's a big thing, by the way, because Ayin Horah is very, very scary. Ayin Horah can cause all sorts of damage in a physical way as well. And therefore, says the Chidor, when a person practices and is koina, the Midah of another, the Ayin Horah will not affect him. People always wonder, oh, don't do this, it's an Ayin Horah. Right? Yes, the red string, not the red string. <laughs> Whatever it is. But says the Chidor, he's a great Eitzah. No Ayin Horah. How? Humility. Being on of. How does he know that? So he brings a riot. There's a Gematria of the word Anova is 131, which is one more than 130. What's the Gematria 130? Eye in the eye. Therefore, when a person has Anova, says the Chidor, he's one above eye in horror. He's one above eye in the eye, and therefore he's above it, and therefore he is able to continue without it. Not only that, the Chidor mentions that the Gematria of the word Onov, a humble person, is the same Onov, same Gematria as Be'eden, right? As in Ganeden. Be'eden. And therefore, says the Chidah, when a person is an honor, when a person understands where his attributes all come from, he's worthy of Ganeiden. In fact, was written by a Yid called Rabbi Yisab Cairo. Rabbi Yisab Cairo, many of you have probably been to his cave in Tzfas, right? Unbelievable cave, unbelievable Yid, unbelievable Shulchan Aruch. He was Zoycha to write the code of law for all of, all of, all of Yidin for all the centuries. An incredible thing. In the, age, uh, in the year 1492, in the year 1492, Rabbi Yosef Kari was four years old. And when he was four years old, he was banished from his homeland, together with the rest of the Spanish jury. Eventually, he made his way to Tzvas, where everyone found out how great he is, not only in Nigla, but in Nista. And he was obviously chosen to write the Shulchan Aruch, which we know the Malach, as the Beis Yosef brings down, the Malach taught him what to write. He was taught from Hashem. The Malach came down to teach him what to write. An incredible, incredible thing. What's interesting is that um, the Chidor writes this in Shema Gdolim. The Chidor writes that there were two other great Rabbonim at the time, right? Together with um, that generation of Rabbi Yosef Cairo, and that was Rabbi Yosef Taichik and Rabbi Yosef Balev. Says the Chidor that these two Yidin were great enough, they also could have written the Shulchan Aruch. That's how great they were. They were incredibly great. Expertise, expertise in, Shulch, in, in, in Allah was unbelievable. They could have written the Shulchan Aruch. Says the Chidah. Why? Why was it that Rabbi Yosef Cairo was chosen to be the one to write the Shulchan Aruch for all of Klal Yisrael, for all future generations? Says the Chidah because of his humility. Because he was an honor. Because he practiced that Midah, he understood who gave him, capital W, all of his Gavaldiga talents, everything that he has, it was not me. It's the Rabbi Nishlaila. Okay? That's what it is. The most incredible, incredible thing. The Noi Debiuda, I will tell you, this is a hair-raising story. This is an unbelievable mice. I don't think I've said this story here before. 
But it's a story that I've had for a long time, and I always wonder when the right time is to say, and I think now is the perfect opportunity. So it's a very scary story, but it's incredible. The native Yehuda had a son-in-law called Rabbi Yosef of Posen. Now, the native Yehuda was going on some tzaddik, a god ladar, he knew everything, right? But his son-in-law was so great that when the native Yehuda would write a letter to his son-in-law, he would start the letter saying, my entire body is trembling when I'm writing this letter to you. That's how, how high he held his son-in-law you know, to be, because he wrote, I'm shaking when I'm, I'm writing this letter to you. It was incredible. Most, a very weird practice went on with the Nodi Behuda's son-in-law, that every single time he was with an Asifa, he was with a meeting of different Rabbonim, and he was one of the Gedolim, and people used to ask advice, and he would speak up, and people would ask his, his you know, various direction, and so many things. Whenever there were various men in Rabbonin, there was a communal meeting, there was something going on, he was getting covered, he was sitting in the front, he was sitting in Mizra. His wife would come in and start screaming at him, embarrassing him, saying terrible things. Really, everyone was so embarrassed. <laughs> this poor guy, look at him, he's got a wife, he's shouting away at him, screaming at him, embarrassing him, in front of everyone at a time like this when all the leaders of the community are here. Uh, nobody knew what to do, but it's terrible, no one could do anything about it. He just put his head down, closed his eyes and... Went on with life. Everyone felt very bad for him. Nebuch, Nebuch, Nebuch. Okay. He's a connecto. That's the connecto. Right, what can you do? Came the day that he left this world. The day that he died. Sad day for all of Klali Sol. Sad day for his town. And you can imagine in thousands and thousands they came out to pay their last respect to this Gavaldigayit. This Gavaldigayit. And it was a huge Leviah. And all of a sudden, his wife walked in. And everyone's like bracing themselves. Uh oh. What's she going to do now? Like, you know, now he's in Nebuch, he's in a tallet. Like, what's she going to do now? And they cleared a path for her. She came right up to the Mittah. Right up to the Nifta. And she said, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, you made a deal with me. Right before we got married, you made a deal. You said to me that any time... I'm in a situation where I could become a Balgaiva when they're giving me covered, when amongst other people, when I'm with the community, when I'm with other leaders of Claudius Come and embarrass me. And you made me promise that that's what I'll do every single time for the entire lifetime. And I did it. It was difficult, it was horrible, it was humiliating. But that was the promise you did because you were scared that you would become a Balgaiva. You were worried that in such a thing your head would burst up with pride of who you are and what you've accomplished. And you made me do that to subdue that and make sure that you wouldn't become a Balgaiva. That's an incredible thing. There are some versions of the story. I do not know if this is true. But there are versions of the story that when she said that, Rabbi Yosef nodded his head. I don't know. But those are the versions of the story. But what does it tell us? How far a person has to go to be careful, to make sure that he doesn't on any level. You don't have to be a god of to become a Balgaiva. People are Balgaiva in business. People are Balgaiva in yeshiva. People are Balgaiva in so many things. How careful you have to be. Look what he put himself through. Just to make sure that he would not become a Balgaiva. The Mishnah Perkyovas, Perik Dalad, Mishnah Dalad, Ma'oid, Ma'oid. Very rare do we find such a lesson, by the way. Ma'oid, Ma'oid. Very, very. Have a Ruach. Be humble. Because this, this is the key to everything. It's such an important idea for a person to remember. I'll tell you a moment, Kazakh. Chacham Ben Tzina Bashaul. Ha'i Kavaltik Babaisai. 
Abu, the state of Tumchei Abu brings this Maisa. Page 133. He brings the story like this. He says that there was a Yid who burned his Chomets on Erev Pesach. Okay? And when he said the words Kol Chamira, right? We're familiar with the Aramaic words Kol Chamira, all of the Chomets, anything that I have in my possession, whether I know about it, I don't know about it, is Batl Mavutl, Ka'afra like the dust of the earth. Right? So when this Yid was saying Kol Chamira on Erev Pesach, there was a rabbi, a chacham, who was standing on his side. And when the man finished his declaration, the chacham, the rabbi, turned to him and said, Ah, ah, you don't need to say that. Ah, you don't need to say that. He was like, hello? What are you talking about? What are you going on? Excuse me, can you please explain? I'm nullifying it like the dust of the earth. I have to do this. It's every Pesach. I don't want to have chomets in my possession. So the chacham clarified it. He said... Apart from the time that we burn the Chomets and we annul the Chomets, right, which we do it on Erev Pesach once a year, there's another time that we use the Moshal of Ka'afra Da'ara, of the dust of the land. When is that? Endesh Manesra. Endesh Manesra. Say it every day, right? Three times a day. My soul, right? Not Shikaf, my whole soul should be like dust, should be like nothing. Basically, we should think nothing of ourselves. We say it every day in Shmanesra. Hopefully, you understand what it means. Yesterday, said this Chacham, as you finish saying Shemayna Esra, you said those words, that I should be like dust of the land, and nothingness and everything. And I saw the guy next to you took three steps back, and he accidentally stepped on your toe. And you got so upset, you could not control yourself, you slapped him across the face. With that act, you proved, that in front of everyone, that your soul is exactly not like dust, and, you know, after all, dust is stepped by everyone and doesn't care, but you obviously did care. So if the dust is so important in your eyes, then how can you nullify your chomets that it should be like the dust of the earth? That's what this Chacham said to him. For this reason, I said to you, when you started nullifying your chomets, like the dust of the earth, I said, eh, not necessarily. You don't, you know, not necessarily. Chacham B'Tzir Abashol, when he brought down this story, added that since the chomets... Basically, a person has to realize he's nullifying the homage, has to strengthen himself at that time in humility. It's a time that a person has to realize, we go through our lives and see, what is Ka'afra Da'ara? What exactly is the dust of the land? And Rabbi Sai, let me tell you one last Kavalda This is beautiful. Benishchai. The Benishchai, on his Joshua's Vishabas brings down a story as follows. Listen to the Maisa. A very, very poor man. Very, very poor man. He couldn't make ends meet. He couldn't provide basics for his mishpacha. So he tried this business. He tried that mahal. Nothing worked. So he says to his wife and children, listen here. I'm going to go away. I'm going to try and make a bissel gelt. I'll try business elsewhere. Maybe my life, mishana moka, mishana mazel. Maybe I'll go somewhere else and I'll be able to be matzliah. Give me a few months. Mitzvah Shabbat, I'll come back. Hopefully with a lot of money, I'll be able to support the family. Hopefully you'll manage without me. And they parted ways. He spent two years away from home. And he made a fortune of money. He managed Baruch Hashem. He was successful. He bought enough money to last him for the next few years. Which was incredible. And he realized his wife will be excited. His kids will be excited. They will be happy that they let him go. Because after all now, he's able to continue going. On the way home, he hears a noise. And he looks behind him. He sees a gangster with a gun. He says, hands up your money or your life. So he says, hold on a minute, I'm not giving up so quickly over here. This is the money that I worked for two years. I left my family. I'm coming back to support them. I'm not giving up so quickly. And he starts to put up a fight, but then he realizes the guy's serious. He realizes that the guy's going to kill him. So he says, well, I might as well be alive. 
So he gives him the money. He thinks to himself, Oh, what am I going to do when I walk into the front door? What's my wife going to say to me? Ashlamazel, you walk in with no money? What, I'm going to tell her I got held up by a bandit? She's going to believe me? So he says to the bandit, Do me a favor. It's a very big favor you could do me. You got my money, do me a favor. Could you just put a few bullet holes in my coat, in my jacket, so at least they'll see? Look, I'll show them. You say, I have bullet holes over here. It's a real story. I got held up. Yeah? So the guy's like, Okay, sure, why not? So he opens his jacket, start you know, shooting a hole here and a hole there. I need another more, a couple more on this side, please. I need one in the collar just to show that I you know, narrowly missed my life. And he you know, starts directing him until he realized that the bandit ran out of bullets. When he realized that the bandit ran out of bullets, aha, give me my money. He started taking it and he took it back and the thief goes on and says, give me my money back. It's my money, give it to me. And they started fighting backwards and forwards. The Khankinievsky overheard his daughter telling over the story to her children. And he said to her, I want to tell you, what's the marshal? What does this story teach us? What a gewaldige But what's the lesson? So Rebchan Kenevsky said the lesson is, the, the whole idea of this Yisoyed is, that although originally stolen the money from the, from the baker, from the guy that had made the money, when the thief was down and out, he focused on one thing. He focused on the money that was taken from him, failing to recognize that it was he who was the one who stole it to begin with. Unfortunately, sometimes as human beings, we act like that thief. And we overlook our own faults and we focus on other people. If we want to attain real humility, real anova, we have to look at ourselves. We have to see everything that we have, both the good and the bad, before we look at anybody else. And through that, Be'ez HaShem will also be zarecha to the wonderful Midah of Moshe Rabbeinu, or being an honor, have a wonderful, wonderful honor.